What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Twilight Nine podcast. This is episode 42. I'm your host, Riley. This week, Charles Schwab Classic, Jason Kokrak, again, for the fur for the second time in his last seven months, I believe, that we'll talk about later, gets a second PGA Tour victory. Pretty awesome. The dude is just so good at everything. Like there really isn't a weakness in his game, except for like his short game can be a little dodgy. But he just does everything really, really well. He keeps up distance-wise. He's a great ball striker. He's a great putter this season, which is very strange when you take into account his putting stats from just back to 2016, which we'll talk about a little bit later in the show. But he's just so solid in everything that it's really hard for him to play like bad golf. And he's just been crazy consistent since the start of 2021. So he grabs the win at the Charles Schwab it was it was pretty good. It was obviously Jordan Spieth was taking in a lot of the headlines as he should going into Sunday, but the field was pretty good. Not a lot of the big names played great golf. Uh, most of the top five were kind of the names that pop up here and there when the field is really really weak. Right, there was those kind of guys popping up there at the top ten, top twenty. But it was a pretty good tournament. Uh, Colonial is definitely getting to the point. I mean, it it played tough only because of the wind that was the main reason for the difference in scores I guess from day to day but the greens were receptive and that golf course is definitely I don't know if they can make it over just because the amount of land I don't know if they have any extra land around there to work with but it's definitely getting to a point where Colonial has been outdone by technology it's just short I know there's a couple par fours out there that force you to lay up and then you got to get in between the trees and all that kind of stuff. But when guys get hot, they can make a lot of birdies around that place. And But you can make a lot of bogeys too. But if you had some of the best players in the world, like guys that can really overpower a golf course, I think Colonial would definitely would definitely give into that. So that's a little bit of a bummer because it is a great layout. The horrible horseshoe on the front nine is awesome. But it's definitely getting to a point where Colonial probably needs to upgrade if it wants to keep up with like the technology and stuff. Because if you get some of the best players in the world, it is going to be a birdie fest over there. So we're going to talk about the Charles Schwab. Obviously, Coke Rack, Jordan Spieth, cover the rest of the top five. Our bets got fucking murdered this week. Oh my God, did we have a bad week down at the Charles Schwab? I think we only hit one bet. We came close to a couple other ones, but it was a tough, tough week. Tough week for the betting card. We're on a little bit of a cold streak. I think we've lost like two or three weeks in a row which is not good. So hopefully we can bounce back this week at the Memorial, which I'm very excited to talk about. Muirfield Village is one of my favorite golf courses all year on the PGA Tour. One of my favorite golf courses, I think, just in America in general. I just think it's a really good test. It's always in really, really, really good shape. And it just went through like a restoration. Jack just upgraded the golf course. They put new grass on all the fairways, all the tee boxes, all the greens. He mixed up a couple of the greens. He put in new bunkers. He added like 100 yards of length throughout the golf course. So I'm excited to see all the upgrades. I was just watching a YouTube video actually about the upgrade and everything that they're like trying to change a little bit. Obviously, they didn't go into a bunch of detail, but I know they're trying to reslope some greens and add a little undulation. So seeing it for the first time Thursday morning is going to be fun. So Featured groups and all that kind of stuff haven't been announced yet, but really excited to talk about the memorial. The field is loaded. John Rahm, Jordan Spieth, Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas, Bryson, Colin Morikawa. Like, there's some guys that are going to fit this golf course really, really well, and I'm very excited to talk about it. We got a lot of stats for you guys this week. 
Um, in the betting article, actually, for the memorial, I'm going to try to start doing this on a weekly basis. As you guys know, all the betting stuff usually comes out like Wednesday, Wednesday morning, uh, Wednesday late morning, and then a video for all the bets comes out. But I'm going to try to get that done for you guys Tuesdays from now on and have that done by Tuesday morning, Tuesday early afternoon. So there's more time for you guys to get a chance to read all the betting stuff, watch the video, all that kind of stuff. So that's going to be the plan for this week is to get you guys all the betting information early so you can get in your bets before odds change and guys hop on certain players and all that kind of stuff. But before we get into the Charles Schwab, we got some headlines. The first one being, and it was a little bit of a bummer because I think it actually first came out, I think... And like a couple hours after I recorded the show last week, I think the big thing was happening Monday and Tuesday with everybody, but Bryson and Bryson and Brooks, we kind of have to talk about it. So obviously the video surfaced of Brooks giving a taped interview with Golf Channel after I think it was maybe the third round of the PGA. I don't remember what round it was. And then Bryson walks behind Brooks and says like something snarky about his play, not Brooks's play. Bryson was like, Oh, I couldn't hit a bit, whatever. And Brooks just gave him the biggest eye roll I think I've ever seen. And then he gets off track. He said, fuck my fault. Let's restart this thing. Listen to that bullshit. And it was just really, really funny. It was a great video. And of course, Twitter blew it up. It was on every media outlet. Everybody had something to say about it. And, when it first came out, Bryson didn't really like say anything about it. I know he posted like a, a weightlifting video on his Instagram story where he had like hundred pound dumbbells and he's using in his entire body to thrust them halfway up his hip. Like, I don't know what the fuck he was doing. And I don't know if that was in retaliation of the Brooks video, but if it was, it was the stupidest thing I've ever seen. I don't, that guy is so, oh, I fucking hate that guy. He's so lame. But anyway, So that all happened. All the media had a good day with it. And then the very, I think it was the very next day, the new match got released. And I think it's up to, what is this going to be the third one? I think. So it's going to be Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady, my guy, versus I'm actually wearing his hoodie today, his seven ring hoodie. But it's going to be Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers and Bryson DeChambeau. And once that came out, Brooks tweeted at Aaron Rodgers. He just goes at Aaron Rodgers. Sorry, bro. And obviously, everybody had a good laugh about that. It went around all the media outlets and all that kind of stuff. And then Bryson came back with the oldest comeback ever in sports and all that kind of shit with the, oh, glad I'm living rent-free in your head and all that kind of stuff. And everyone was kind of on the same page when that tweet went out. Like, Bryson, that's all you have. That's all you're going to say. That's the only comeback that you have in your head right now is, is glad I'm living rent-free in your head. And then, and then after that, Brooks tweeted back at him a video of Bryson hitting a drive at the PGA, I believe, and a guy going, yeah, Brooksy, in the background. And then Bryson goes, whoever's calling me Brooksy's got to get the hell out of here. The fucking softest piece of shit on the PGA tour. Perfect response from Brooks. Like, I don't know if you could use that video much better. And then it was like kind of over after that. It was pretty fucking funny. And then yesterday... An article uh, went out on a, a couple different media outlets, I guess, but I know one went up on uh, Golficity, and it was Jenna Sims, who's on like an all-girl weekend like getaway thing with like Daniel Berger's girlfriend and all that kind of stuff. She was served a latte from a barista, and he put or he or she put 
a uh, print or I don't know what they fucking call it, the latte art. I don't know what the term is, but Bryson's face on the latte, which was pretty funny. I do have to give it to that barista. That's fucking hilarious. But it was going around fucking Dave Portnoy from Barstool is trying to get Bryson to like caddy for him in their like Dave versus Lefty Brooks match now, which would be unbelievable. I don't think Bryson will do it because he's a fucking pussy. But it was incredible. So, yeah, we haven't heard from Bryson since Brooks tweeted that video of him saying you got to get out of here, which I think is hilarious. And we just love people who make Bryson look like an idiot. And I even tweeted or I even put it on the Twilight Nine Instagram story. Like Brooks might have to become part of like the roster that T9 supports now because obviously the only other person in the world that hates Bryson as much as I do is is Brooks Kepka. So he might just, he might get added to the roster of guys that we sport week in and week out. I'm not usually like a huge Brooks guy. Like I'm very indifferent about Brooks. Like he's in the mix. I'm like, oh, sweet. And when he's not, I, I'm not like rooting for Brooks Kepka. But, I mean, I fucking hate Bryson. So, there we go. So, I, I guess we have to support Kepka now. But that was funny. But then the feel-good thing that came out, I think, like, last night or early, early, early this morning was, or we knew it happened, but then now the video has surfaced, is Justin Thomas cut a check for Big Mike, who, if you guys know, don't know who Big Mike is, I'm not going to lie, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. But he was the guy a couple weeks ago down in Tampa that won the Monday qualifier in a playoff. And then the PGA Tour like took a video and released a video of him calling up his dad saying that he made it and they were both crying over the phone or whatever. And that went like viral everywhere. It was on like every news thing. People loved that video. He ended up not making the cut at the Valspar Championship, but then received a call from Charles Schwab himself. Like I didn't even know that was a real man. From himself inviting him to play in the tournament last week, which was awesome. So Big Mike was there, and then they played together. And after they were done playing together, Justin Thomas cut him a check with JT's own money, just cut a check for him, and said, here's some money to keep pursuing your career. Go get it. You're doing awesome things, blah, blah, blah. If you guys haven't seen the video, it's everywhere. I think golf.com posted it on their Instagram feed maybe or one of those real things. It's a fantastic video, really good, really, really good thing by Justin Thomas. Dude is world-class. Uh, that's one why one of the reasons why he's one of my favorite golfers in the world. Just a really good dude, and he just did another thing, and that was just awesome. It was a great video, so definitely, definitely check it out if you haven't watched it. It's one of those feel-good things for sure. But that's it for the headlines, guys. So if we want to talk about a little bit of the Charles Schwab Classic before we get into the more and more uh, memorial, Jason Kokrak, second win on the PGA Tour. And like I said at the top of the show, both of them have come over the last seven months. If you guys don't remember, back in October at Shadow Creek, he won the CJ Cup, which I just think is fucking hilarious because obviously the joke with Jason on Twitter is like he's like the poker guy. He's got that one photo of him playing poker. MGM is his huge sponsor across the front of his hat. And it just worked perfectly that he won in Vegas in the CJ Cup. But yeah, gets a second win on the PGA Tour. Uh, He's 36, so he's just now kind of reaching like the peak of his playing career. He's been doing it for a long time. But since the start of 2021, he's been one of the most consistent players on tour pretty much. He's made 12 starts. He's made the cut every single event he's played in. He has four top 10s, including the win. And he had a solid week at the PGA, which is, and but then I don't think the final number didn't show it. He finished T49, which definitely like when you see T49, man, Rory was in the same spot. It's like, oh, he didn't have that good of a week. But he was even, uh, kept, uh, Kokrak, excuse me, was even 
through the first three days. So he was playing really well at Keel Island. Like even par through three rounds at that golf course is really, really good. And then he went out and shot a final round 77 plus five. So his final number didn't really resemble how well he actually played that week. And I think, I know a couple people were on Jason this week, but I know that's probably why he went a little bit more under the radar than most people thought, just because they looked at that final number and not really what he was doing the whole week until that final round. And I kind of kind of cut up in that because I know I was reading some stuff that Coke Rack could be a good spot for this uh, golf course. And he was on, like before I do the betting, like official betting article comes out, I know only five or six bets end up on that article, but I have like 15 to 20 people listed out and the reasons why. And he was one of them. But then the T49 scared me off a little bit, but his short game is really not that good. His short game is awful. And around Colonial, you need to have a good short game. But his iron play was so good that his bad short game like didn't really get tested that much. And it was still like decent enough. And He's inside the top 65 in every strokes gain category over his last 36 rounds, except for a short game. So I sh- definitely should have looked at that more than just worry about a short game. But that's one of the reasons why he didn't end up on the card, which obviously I'm super bummed about, but because the guy ended up fucking winning the golf tournament. But he's first in strokes gained off the tee last week. He was eighth in strokes gained approach, 61st in strokes gained around the green. He lost a stroke per round or a half a stroke per round. Sorry. So that's the thing. Like, even if you're low on the totem pole when it comes to short game, if you're only losing half a stroke per round with something, like, that's not going to kill you. And his other shit was so good that it made up for that. Like, first off the tee and eighth in approach, that's crazy. So around the green, that doesn't really matter when your other shit is so, so good. And I think this is definitely, and Pat Perez actually in a couple of interviews said that Kokrak's going to win a lot more in his career. And I think it's just because he just does everything well. Like his ball striking's great. Like I said, at the top of the show, he's really good off the tee. And all of a sudden he's like a really solid putter since 2016. He's never been inside the top 100 when it comes to strokes gain putting. But for some reason this season on tour, he's seventh. So I don't know where the putting came from. I don't know if he got a new coach, switched up the putter, switched up a mentality when he's above the ball. But something is definitely working, and he's turned into a top 10 putter on the PGA Tour, and that's one of the reasons why he's pretty much in it week in and week out. He's one of those guys that even if he's not inside the top 10, when the TV coverage has to put somebody on the TV, someone in the top 40, top 30, it's usually coke rack because he putts really well. So he makes a good amount of birdies. So I think that's a sign that he's probably going to win a decent, like a handful times more before he's done playing for sure he could be a win every season or two per guy so he could win another five six seven golf tournaments i think before he before he hangs it up i just think he's just so solid in so many different spots that he could definitely definitely get five six seven eight more wins by the time he's done playing his career but the runner-up mr jordan spieth he was a 54 hole leader which seems like something he does every single week now like i don't think Obviously, Jordan Spieth fans are very aware of it, but the casual fan, like, oh, yeah, Jordan Spieth came back and won the Valero Texas Open, whatever. But, I mean, this guy is fucking back. Like, he is in the mix every single time he tees it up. I mean, the only times he wasn't was what the players, I think he tied for like 40-something, and then at the PGA, he ended up he ended up kind of far down the leaderboard, like T30, I believe, at the PGA. But with the loss on Sunday, he's now converted on 50% of his 12 uh, of his 54 hole leads. The tour average over the last 10 years when co-leading or leading 
after 54 is 35%. So he's well above average in that category, which puts this stat in like it doesn't even make sense. Tiger is 55 of 59 converting 54 hole leads. That's fucking ridiculous. I, he's just on a different planet when it comes to the stats. I mean, if you, if you guys are listening to the show, you follow the PGA tour as much as I do, probably converting that many leads after leading after 54 doesn't make any sense. And most of the tiger stats don't make any sense. Cause he's so much better than everybody else at golf. That is just laughable how ridiculous his like records are. But since missing cut the farmers, Insurance open at Tory. Jordan has a win, six top fives, seven top tens, eight top twenties. His worst finish is a T48 at the players, and he was T30 at the PGA. But aside from the players and the PGA, he hasn't finished outside the top 20 since the Farmers Insurance Open where he missed the cut. He was definitely fighting early on Sunday. He bogeyed two, three, four. His golf swing just didn't look super great all day. Uh, he got a couple bounces, he got a couple rolls kind of his way. And he just looked like he was definitely fighting it pretty much right off the first tee. He did make two birdies before making the turn at plus one for the day, but then two late bogeys kind of kept them at a distance at Kokrak. Couldn't make up for it for a final round plus three. Over his last 36 rounds, Jordan is fifth in stroke scene approach, ninth short game, 24th ball striking, 11th tee to green, 13th around the green, and then 129th off the tee, which the last couple of weeks I've talked about how he looks a little bit more comfortable off the tee and he definitely does he's seemingly shaping it both ways it looks like he's a little bit more comfortable with the draw but when I was watching him on featured groups I think it was Friday um he he was trying a little bit like of a low screamer cut uh aiming down the left hand side and just trying to bring it back he double crossed himself a couple times a couple just went straight so I think he's trying to implement a two-way shot off the tee, which I don't hate, but I really like players that kind of just commit to one shape and just kind of make it work off the tee. Like if it's a dog leg right and you hit a draw as a right-handed golfer, if you have the power and height off the tee to aim over the right trees and then hit the dog leg the wrong way or just hit one last club three wood to the corner of the dog leg. Sure, your approach might be a little bit longer, but you're in the fairway and the dis- difference is what an eight iron to a or a nine iron approach with driver, or like a eight or a seven with three wood. It's not that big of a difference, especially if you're in the fairway. So that's how I would want Jordan to play a little bit. Just do that little nice little draw that you like off the tee and stick with that on every hole. But obviously, he knows better than me. Last year at the Memorial, going into this week, he's the second betting favorite. He's tied with a couple guys, but he finished T13 at the Memorial last year, and he was in the mix before the weekend started, and then he ended up shooting five over on the weekend. So T13, it, it would be stupid of me, probably not. He's I don't think he's highlighted in our Memorial like betting talk later in the show, but I would be stupid probably at this point to not put him for a top 10 bet. It just seems like he's going to finish inside the top 10 pretty much every single week. I mean, the one time I did bet him on top 10, he finished uh, T30 at the PGA. So maybe I'm the bad luck charm with Jordan when I put money on him. But I think at this point, it would be stupid for us not to implement a Jordan Spieth bet somewhere because he's just been the best player on tour pretty much since the start of 2021. The rest of the top five look like this, all T3. Charlie Hoffman, Patton Kazire, Sebastian Munoz, and Ian Poulter, which Ian Poulter was a little bit of a surprise because he got some TV time at the PGA, but he also struggled a little bit. I don't remember where he finished actually at the PGA, but I know he got a little TV time over the weekend, so he had to be in it a little bit. 
T30. Yeah, final round plus one, so that's probably why. So he was playing some pretty decent decent golf before that. He had a T21 at the Valspar. T26 at the Masters. So he showed flashes a little bit, but Ian Poulter is one of those guys that just like will pop up randomly with a really good finish. So I don't know how much stock we're going to put into that in the Memorial. Bets. Recap the bets real quick. Uh, Patrick Reed, top 10. That was awful. Lost that one, obviously. He missed the cut. He shot plus four on Friday. That's not what we were looking for. Um, this one hurt. Abraham Answer, we had him for a top 10. We lost that one. He was T14, one shot outside of the top 10. And his only bogey on Saturday or on Sunday, I know he bogeyed like two of the last five holes to make it close, but his only bogey on Sunday was a three putt from like 30 feet. So if he just doesn't do that, we win that bet. That sucks. Uh, Willie Z, top 10, that one lost. He had an awful week, T59. And when we started the podcast, Will Zalatoris was one of the guys that was on the card all the time just because we just kept winning money with Willie Z like a couple months ago when we were betting on Max Homa pretty much every week and he was just (laughs) winning us money every single time his name was on the card. That's kind of what was happening with Will Zalatoris. Won a bunch of money on him, but recently he has killed us. I don't remember the last time that Will Zalatoris won us a bet. It's been like a month and a half, I think. And then with his irons and strokes gained approach, only Kevin Kisner and Sung Kane were worse than Will Zalatoris when it came to strokes gained approach this week. That is unheard of from a ball striker like Will Zalatoris. That is so, so, so bad. And I think he was second in strokes gained around the green. So like if he just had a decent decent week with his irons like oh my god just awful awful ball striking from the kid and then we also had Corey connor's top 10 that lost he t20 uh two shots outside the top 10 he shot a final round plus one and that final round opened with a bogey on the opening par five the first hole's a par five he came out and bogeyed it if he just birdies that hole which you should opening par five then we win that bet too so we had a couple bets we were very close from having a positive week and fucking a couple holes here and there just healed us with those two guys. Uh, Joaquin Neiman, top 20. We lost that T50. He just couldn't get anything going all week. I watched him a little bit on the featured coverage, and that putter was absolutely ice cold. His ball striking wasn't that good either. Uh, just he just His absolute game was just off. And then we did have Charlie Hoffman in our top 20, which was the easiest winner of all time, T3. And then we are going to go back to him at Jack's place, I think this week, just because he's been one of the best iron players the last six months. His irons have just been incredible. So I think we're going to go back to him for the Memorial this week. So let's get into a little uh, Memorial preview. So we're back at Jack's place last year. If you guys remember, um, there was the memorial, obviously, but the week before was the workday. So we were at Mirfield Village two weeks in a row. Colin Morikawa won the workday, and then John Rahm won at the golf course last year. I believe it was nine under, but there's been a lot of golf, uh, changes to the golf course. Like I said at the top of the show, I think they added a little over 100 yards throughout the golf course. They redid the greens, fairways, and tee boxes. They've all been regrassed, and the bunkers have been changed a little bit. It'll be interesting to see the changes in the final score outcome, right? Last year, Rom won at nine under, but the golf course was playing absolutely impossible. It was windy. It was completely burnt out. And Jack didn't really care because the renovations were starting as soon as possible. If you guys remember, renovations started happening before John Rom even put in his last putt. They were on the front nine, just making renovations to the golf course. It was crazy early. So 
Jack didn't give a, he even said that he just didn't give a fuck. He was like, no, we're going to burn this out. We're not doing anything. And the boys will just have to survive it over the weekend. And that's kind of what happened. So he won at nine under, but usually the winning score is right around in like the mid teens, like 12 to 15 under. Although Bryson, when he won it in 2019, before he like turned into the Hulk, I think he won it at like 19 under. And that's when Jack went on his big spiel about like turning back the golf ball and we're going to lose these golf courses because we're running out of land. That's when that speech happened. So, but aside from the nine under and the 19 under, the winning score right around like 12 to 15 under is usually what we're looking at there. Field. Defending champion John Rahm is obviously here. He is returning as the betting favorite again. Actually, I don't know if he was the betting favorite last year, but he returns as the betting favorite. The last time we saw the world number three, he finished inside the top 10 at the PGA Championship. Aside from his win at Memorial, he honestly doesn't have a great history. Like He doesn't play in this golf tournament a lot. I think the last start before he won Memorial was a couple years ago, and I think he was like T40-something, and I think he has like miscut mixed in there. So John Rahm doesn't have extensive history at Mirfit Village, but he does have a win. So that'll that'll do it. Jordan Spieth, like I mentioned already, fresh off his sixth top five this season, is tied for second in betting odds. FanDuel has him at plus 1,400. He's just been incredible since Torrey. I don't think anything's going to slow him down. Uh, like I said, like I mentioned already in 2020, he finished T13 here and our guys back this week, Roy McIlroy, he finished T49 at the PGA. And that was really due to his finish on Friday. I know we went over this already a couple weeks ago in the recap pod, but he got it all the way back to even par on Friday. And then he bogeyed 16, 17 and 18 to finish plus three. And that fucking sucked. That was all the momentum made a really bad bogey on 18. He hit a pretty good drive. I think he was in the middle of the fairway. And then Xander was all lost fucking in the left rough. And they had to wait, I think like 20 minutes in the fairway. And then he yank pulled his second, chubbed a chip, and then got up and down for bogey. So that sucked. He was 32nd here last season, but grabbed a top 10 back in 2018. I think he missed the cut in 2019. Other big names in the field include Bryson, Kyle Morikawa, Justin Thomas, Victor Hovland, and Xander Shoffley. Golf course, Mirfield Village, par 72, 7,500 yards, a little over 7,500 yards, and bent grass greens. And then I'm reading off my betting article right now, so I'm going through it a little bit, but I did embed a YouTube video for you guys that you can go hole by hole at Mirfield if you're not super, if you don't know the golf course very well. I, it's like a 10-minute video where you can kind of take a course uh, a course tour of Mirfield Village. A guy narrates the entire thing. He'll explain like where to miss and all that kind of stuff. And then he included like, I think hole two is the second most difficult golf course on or hole on the golf course. And then number five is really tough. Um, or as I was five, the par five, I forget. All I know is the first hole is dog leg, right? Um, if you want to draw it, you're going to have to take it over some fairway bunkers, uh, fairway slopes, right to left. So it hurts if you hit a draw, cause obviously it's coming over with that spin right to left fairway. You probably miss it in the left rough. So a cut is probably preferable off that one. It is a golf course though, where you can definitely work the ball both directions. You don't need like a cut or a draw isn't the preferred shot shape. Like both shot shapes have won at this golf course, golf course, excuse me, before like John Rahm cuts the ball. But over the last like five, six seasons, Patrick Cantlay has been far and away the best player at this golf course and he hits a draw so it can go either way bryson again he's won this tournament he's a draw of the golf ball weather so it might get this might come into play also when the betting article gets released on tuesday but tuesday's weather cloudy no rain nothing really going on wednesday though 68 and 88 percent chance of rain and it's going to be windy so it's already a 70 
500 yard golf course, if it rains, if it's going to be wet going into Thursday, that brings up the guys that carry it more. Driving distance becomes a little bit more important if the golf course is wet. If the ball isn't hitting fairways and running out, it's going to stop. And that's when carry distance is huge. Thursday, scattered thunderstorms, 44% chance of rain, 11 mile an hour wind, 75 degrees. So we might see a little bit of action on Thursday. It'll obviously depend on the draw, depending on uh, if you get some rain or not. And then the rest of the week looks really good. Friday, 78, Saturday, 83, Sunday, 84, highest percent chance of rain either day, uh, 24%, and the wind is down, like seven mile an hour, six mile an hour. So uh, Friday through Sunday should be pretty damn good weather, especially after maybe a couple days of rain. And then you get the you get the receptive greens with not a lot of wind. The boys are probably going to be making a lot of birdies on Friday through Sunday, so that's where we're going to be out on that. Key stats. This is from Justin Ray on Twitter. Winners at the Memorial uh, Tournament the last 10 years have an average strokes gained approach rank that week of 6.4. And that means strokes gained approach is a very, very, very important golf tournament or important category uh, stats wise at this golf tournament. You need to hit your irons very, very well. It's a true second shot golf course. The fairways are a little generous. Uh, you have to be in the mill because if you're not, you're in trouble. Trees overhang fairways. It's going to be tough to hit greens if you're in the wrong spots. But the fairways are a little bit generous. Jack design, so you can get in the fairway, but you have to be in the right portions of the fairway. And then your second shots are so, so important. We're going to be looking for ball strikers this week. And then on top of that, it's a longer golf course. So approaches from 175 to 200 because there are longer par fours around this place. Those kind of guys that are good at long irons, seven, six, five iron, four iron. Those are the guys that we're definitely going to be targeting this week. And then it is last year on last season on tour. This also so from uh, Justin Ray on Twitter. Most difficult scrambling courses on the PGA Tour last season. Number one was Mirfield Village Memorial, forty eight point four percent, and then number two was also Mirfield Village for the workday, fifty two point three percent. So you're scrambling your short game. You got to bring your short game to Mirfield Village. So we're going to be looking for guys that hit a lot of greens and regulation, but also when they don't hit greens and regulation, their scrambling numbers are really good. So those are the kind of guys we're going to be looking at this week. So we'll see what happens. Data golf information. Course fit. Number one is actually Innisbrook Copperhead. So uh, where they play the Valspar Championship. Number two is Warwick Hills Golf and Country Club. And number three is TPC Twin Cities. Trending. Of the players in the field, number one is obviously Jordan Spieth. His last three starts, T9, T30, and solo second. Number two is Abraham Answer. Uh, second to Rory McIlroy at the Wells Fargo, T8 and T14. And then number three is Charlie Hoffman, T18, T17, and T3. The guy is playing outrageous golf right now. Percent chance to win. That's taken into account baseline, course history, course fit, all that kind of stuff. They have defending champion John Rahm as number one at 5.9%. Workday champion Colin Morikawa is 4.8%. So the two guys they love the most are the two guys that won at uh, Mirfield Village last year. And then number three is Victor Hovland at 4.2%. Some betting odds. So these odds are from FanDuel now because, like I said on last week's show, uh, DraftKings has been very annoying recently with all their stuff which has been fucking annoying. Like they've only been doing like top 20s recently. I don't know if like I'm the only one that's been experiencing that, but it's been very annoying. But John Rahm's at plus 900. And then there's three guys at 14, Bryson, Jordan, and Rory McIlroy. There's a couple guys at 16, Justin Thomas, Colin Morikawa, and Victor Hovland. Patrick Cantley and Xander Shoffley are both at plus 2,000. 
Uh, Hideki Matsuyama is at 22. Tony Finau is at 27. Corey Connors is at 33. Matthew Fitzpatrick is back at 34. Patrick Reed is 34. Shane Lowry is at 34. Neiman's at 41. Sam Burns is at 41. If you go down, Charlie Hoppins at 42. Cameron Smith is at 5. Gary Woodland's at the 55. Bubba Watson's at 65. So the field is fucking stacked this week at Mirfield Village for Jack's Place. Really looking forward to it. So if we want to get into some of our... Uh, guys that we might be targeting this week and our betting stuff that comes out tomorrow, which I guess when you got, I don't know why this is just clicking in my head now, uh, is today. It, it will all come out today because you guys listen to the show on Tuesday. It'll come out today. We're going to start with the guy that just keeps winning us money, and that's Charlie Hoffman. Over his last 36 rounds, he's third in strokes and approach, third in strokes gained ball striking, while also being solid off the tee, 35th in strokes gained off the tee. Since missing the cut in Phoenix, he has nine top 20s, which includes four top 10s and two top fives. And then last year at Memorial, uh, or last year, the Memorial had the toughest scrambling percentage and the fifth toughest greens to hit in regulation on the PGA Tour. Players currently in the top 30 in both strokes and approach and scrambling, excuse me, percentage, Charlie Hoffman, Russell Henley, Patrick Cantlay, and Doug Gim. So he's on that list. Those are the kind of guys that I already mentioned that we're going to target. Guys that hit their irons really well and scramble really well are going to have a good time about around Mirfield. You have to go back to 2017 for the last time Charlie made the cut at this event. But again, I like his current form over his history at this golf course. I think he's just playing really good golf right now. Uh, on DraftKings, he is plus 190 for a top 20, but once all the odds come out, especially for FanDuel, you're probably going to be able to get Charlie Hoffman for plus money for a top 30. That's where I would put him just because I did say that I'm not super worried about his history at Muirfield, but a top 30 bet gets you a little bit more wiggle room, even though you might lose some value. I would put him in that spot probably. Corey Connors came a few uh, spots or shots, excuse me, short of cashing us a top 10 bet last week. But again, in a stronger field at Mirfield Village, where most of the top players in the world are here, he kind of moves down a notch when it comes to betting odds. So you're probably going to be able to get pretty good value for him for a top 20. His strokes gain numbers over the last 30, over his last 36 rounds, excuse me, are pretty damn good. Fourth in approach, seventh off the tee, second in ball striking, third in total, and tee to green. His short game, again, isn't great. He's 130th over his last 36, but on the season, he's hitting over 71% of greens, so it doesn't really affect his score that much. When you hit a lot of greens, your short game is affected less, so even if he has a bad short game, it's not going to account for a bunch of lost strokes per round, like half, maybe even less than that, so I'm not worried about his, uh, his short game. He's also just due. His last win was in 2019, the Valero Texas Open. And since his last missed cut, and that came at the Genesis, Connors has seven top 20s, and that's a nine-stroke play event starts. And last year, he did have a top top 25 finish here. He tied for 22nd last season at the Memorial. So we'll see. I just think he's a guy that's been hanging around way too much not to win a golf tournament. He's in really good form, one of the best iron players over the last couple months, I just think he's due. And this is definitely a second shot golf course that I could see Corey Connors winning at. It's just going to be if he can outlast some of the big dogs. Like this isn't going up against Charlie Hoffman and Sebastian Munoz and all those guys. This is going up against Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, Rory McIlroy, John Rahm. Like Corey Connors is going to have to beat all those boys. So we're going to have to see if he can do it. Doug Gim, I, I mentioned his name came up in that tweet from Justin Ray that I just said about top 30 in strokes and approach and top 30 in 
scrambling percentage. Doug Gim is one of those names on that list, and he could be a target for us for like a top 40 finish. He's great from 175 to 200, ranking second on tour over his last 36 rounds in proximity from that range, and that's only behind Colin Morikawa. He averages 294 off the tee, which is good enough around Mirfield. Mirfield is more about accuracy for sure than it is distance. I know that may change if they get a bunch of uh, weather move in there on Wednesday and kind of soak the golf course. Then driving distance becomes much more important because you don't want to be hitting five or four iron into every one of those greens. But as it stands right now, accuracy being in the fairway around Mirfield Village, especially the right portions, is a definitely more important. And this season on Tory ranks 37th in fairways and regulation. So he's very accurate with the big stick. So we'll see if we end up taking Doug Gim for a uh, top 40 finish. Kevin Streelman is another guy who he's another guy that's been lurking. He came out of the PGA championship on Sunday and birdied his first two hole. Every, everybody panicked because they thought Kevin Streelman was going to win a PGA championship and be the most boring fucking major champion, maybe of all time. He ended up obviously not winning. He finished uh, T eight. I believe Phil Mickelson left him hanging, which I thought was hilarious, but he did finish top five here in 2019. And he could be another name along with Doug Gim that we kind of put in that top 30, top 40 range. He has three straight top 20 finishes, including, like I just said, a top 10 at the PGA. He's seventh in his last 36 rounds from 175 to 200 in proximity. So he's really good from there. He's a good long iron player. He's inside the top 35 in every strokes gain category over his last 36 six rounds aside from a short game, but he hits a lot of greens. So again, same kind of thing with Corey Connors. When you hit a lot of greens, your short game is tested less. So the effect that it has in lost strokes per round against the field goes way down. So if Streelman was missing a bunch of fucking greens, but then also had a shitty short game, that's going to affect it a lot, but he hits a lot of greens. So it doesn't really affect him that much. So he, again, is going to be in that same kind of category, top 30, top 40. I know, let me refresh FanDuel to see if they have any more bets for us. No, they still only have outright. Um, Kevin Streelman, plus 5,000. So I think on FanDuel, once all the odds come out, you should be able to get plus value for a top 30 for Streelman. I don't know about 40. We'll have to see if it's not plus value for a top 40. I don't know if he's going to end up making the cut just because this is a star-studded field and again those guys kind of go back down to their normal spot when all the boys come out to play but we'll see and then to end the show we got three guys obviously uh some of the favorites in the field i don't know if i'd say that he's like coming in under the radar i don't think that's what he's doing because he's playing really good golf and he has a gigantic name but i think Colin morikawa has been playing like sneaky golf over the last like month month and a half no one's I mean, people are talking about Colin Morikawa. They're always going to talk about Colin Morikawa, but it's not like some tournaments where it's like, oh, Colin Morikawa is going to win this one. Oh, Colin Morikawa is going to win this one. He's kind of been like sneaky playing really good golf. Since the match play, he's made four solo starts. All of them are top 20s and two of them are top 10. So he consistently playing really good golf. Over his last 36 rounds, he's first in strokes and approach, ball striking and tee to green. He's 90th on tour this season in strokes and around the green, but he's first in greens of regulation. So again, his short game doesn't get tested much just because he hits so many greens of regulation. The real part you should be worried about with Colin Morikawa is his putting. His putting is terrible. I don't know if he needs a new coach, a new putter. I know he tried that stupid grip. I don't even know if he's still doing it. He's he's at 180th in strokes game putting this season on tour. Thank God for everybody else on the PGA Tour that Colin Morikawa can't putt because if he could putt, 
he'd win five, six, seven golf tournaments a year because his off the tee game is so good and his iron player is godly. If he could putt, even if he was inside the top like 80 in putting, he'd already have probably four wins on tour this season. He'd be a fucking problem. He'd be Tiger Woods. He'd be Tiger Woods is what he would be. Uh, A godly iron player and can putt, that's Tiger, and he won, you know, every golf tournament he ever played in. He won the workday at Mirrorfield last year, which is obviously why he's coming in as one of the favorites. He's won at this golf course. Granted, it wasn't as good as a field, but he did win at this golf course last year. He's plus 1,600 to win. So for him to have any value to you, you're probably going to have to go top 10, maybe even top five if you want to stretch it to like plus 300. But you should be able to get right around like plus 180 for Colin Morikawa for a top 10. That's probably where he's going to end up on the card if he does end up on the card. And I think he's going to. Another young stud, Victor Hovland. I think he's due for a win. I think he's probably even more due for a win than Colin Morikawa. Colin won at concession. I know Victor has a recent win too, but he recently just had back-to-back T3 finishes at the Wells Fargo behind Answer and Rory. And then the Valspar, his last appearance was a T30 at the PGA. His strokes gain numbers over his last 36 rounds are just really wicked good. Uh, strokes gain total, he's sixth. Strokes gain T to green, he's ninth. Strokes gain ball striking, he's fifth. Show, uh, strokes gain short game, 42nd. Strokes gain off the tee, fifth. Approach, 19th. And then putting, 38th. So again, his putter is pretty good. And his huge weakness used to be his short game. Like he was a terrible chipper. He was kind of yippy. He was chunking. He was blading, all that kind of stuff. He's turned it around. I know in his last 30, 36 rounds, he's like 134th first in strokes gained around the green. But again, his iron play is so good that it doesn't really get tested that much. And when it is now tested, it's pretty damn good. It's a pretty damn good short game. Um, over his last 36 rounds, he's 11th in proximity from 175 to 200 yards. So again, that range is going to be really good this week, especially with the rain coming in. If they don't get a bunch of rain, then these guys that are longer off the tee probably won't have that many approaches from that range. But if they do get rain, they are going to be in that range a lot. And Victor Hovland is great from that range, 11th. Again, he's with Colin Morikawa plus 1,600 to win. So he's not an underdog whatsoever. He's one of the bigger names in the field. I just think that that kid is due for another win. And I think Memorial at Muirfield Village is a golf course that suits him very, very well. And then the last guy we're going to talk about real quick is obviously our guy, Rory. He's going to be on the card somewhere. I don't know where he's going to put him. Group winner, top 10 somewhere, but he's going to be on there. His strokes gain numbers over his last 36 rounds, 22nd total, 18th tee to green, 20th ball striking, 9th off the tee, 49th in approach, and uh, 105 in short game. His wedges have become a lot better. I'll talk about that in a second. He was two under going into Sunday at Memorial last year. He was very much in the mix Obviously, he would have had a really good final round to win that golf tournament, but he shot a final round 78 and finished T32. I know a bunch of guys shot really bad scores that day because it was fucking impossible, burnt out, windy as shit. It was a bloodbath Sunday at Memorial, but 78, not great. Finished T32. He's 38th in his last... 36 rounds from 175 to 200. So again, he's been one of the better long iron iron players on tour for the last five, six, seven, eight years. So that is kind of where you want to see him. But I'm more more impressed by his 100 to 125 range. He's ranking 13th in that category over his last 36 rounds. And that can be right on his new coach, Pete Cohen. 
Cohen is a wedge guy. Rory needed help with his wedges. He needed to know what he was doing wrong in the golf swing. It looks like his golf swing's a little bit better. He's forcing a cut a little bit too much, which I don't love. I think his eye line is definitely, let me just step up and hit a little bit of driver, uh, draw. And if it cuts a little bit, that's fine. You're still going to be in the fairway. But when he's trying to hit a cut too much, he's either leaving the face way open and just, I mean, he hit how many fucking balls into the water on 10 and one at the PGA championship a couple weeks ago, but then he can also double cross it, overcut it. He's just, his cut is not perfectly there yet, but again, wide fairways at Mirfield village. So maybe the big miss, not certainly as in play as it was at Kiowa. So we'll see about that. But his wedge play is pretty good, especially he's second on tour this season and driving distance. So he's going to have more approaches from shorter than other guys. And that being 13th in that category is huge. So I don't know where we're going to put him again. He's tied for second in betting odds at 1400. I think if I go to DraftKings real quick, let me just go to top 10 odds for this golf tournament. Rory's plus 130 on DraftKings, which means he'll probably be like 160 on FanDuel. So if you guys want to put him there for a top 10, um, you could probably definitely get better odds from him as like a group winner, excuse me, compared to like a top 10 finish. But we'll see what we'll put him. It also depends on like who's in their group, obviously. But that's who we're thinking about so far, guys. But yeah, so the betting shit is going to come out today when you guys are listening to this. It's pr- I'm going to try to get it out Tuesday late morning to early afternoon, somewhere around like 11 to 3. You guys should have all the betting information and all that kind of stuff already. Kind of change it up. Make sure you guys have time to read all of it. But yeah, that's it. I'm super excited about this golf tournament. It's always one of my favorite ones of the year, but especially watching the hole by hole and the restoration video, I think it's one of my favorite golf courses on the PGA tour schedule. I really, really do like it. It's always in great condition. Obviously we'll have to see until Thursday to see with the restoration taking place. If it's in its usual, just pristine condition, but very excited, very excited to get back to this golf tournament. Uh, follow us on the socials at twilight nine pod is the Instagram at Riley Hamill underscore is my personal IG. Make sure you guys are sending in questions and all that kind of stuff. Um, first instructional video. I know I say this seemingly every episode, but I actually have all the equipment now. I got like a mic and all that shit for the camera and like a mic to go on my shirt or on my ear or something like that. I have all that shit now. So hopefully Tuesday or Wednesday, that's going to be good weather up here. So I can finally film the first instructional video. I think it's just going to be a drill to improve ball striking. So that's going to be coming hopefully either Friday or this weekend. So be on the lookout for that. That'll be announced on Instagram and all that kind of stuff. But finally we have all the fucking equipment to do it. So that's pumped. But yeah, guys, share the show around. Um, If your friends love golf and don't listen to the show already, love hearing from you guys. The show is just good. It's good to have all you guys listening. So share it around. Follow us on socials. Enjoy the golf this weekend. And I will talk to you guys next week to recap the memorial. Peace, guys.